Welcome to How They Get Stuff Done, where we ask successful people about the productivity habits behind their success. Side effects of listening to this show may include elevated levels of motivation, acute feelings of inspiration, and lasting improvements to your productivity. Now, here's your host, Peter Akis. Hey, folks. Today, I'm speaking with Matt Ragland. Matt is a productivity teacher like myself. He has worked for ConvertKit, an email service provider I use and love, and for Podia, an online course platform, which I use to launch my business. These days, Matt helps people, and particularly makers and creators, be more productive. He does that with courses, videos on YouTube, and on his own podcast, Connect the Dots. Matt is really big on bullet journaling, which is quite a different experience from using digital task managers, so I was keen to chat with him about that topic in particular. Matt and I discuss how he combines bullet journaling with digital task management, how to protect your time to do high leverage work, measuring productivity by how present you are, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Peter. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very, very happy to have you. So I was curious, as I was browsing your Twitter, um, as I tend to do for a little background research on my guests, um, I noticed you were tweeting about the NFL draft, but I couldn't find any information about which team you are a fan of. So I would like to get that information out of you first. Wow. I did not think we were going to start with this. (laughs) I love that. So I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and so I am a fan of the long frustrated Jacksonville Jaguars fan base, (laughs) even though I live in Nashville, Tennessee, which is home to the Tennessee Titans. They're also in the same division to make it even more complicated, Mm. but I grew up in Florida um, and I would count myself first and foremost a Jaguars fan, even though I am a big fan of when the Titans are doing well, because when a football team is doing well, a city tends to do well also. That's true, but you're not exactly making friends wearing your Jaguars jersey around town. No, no, I've got I've got like a new hat because the Jags, the Jaguars picked first in the draft, and so there's a lot, and they just got a new coach, so there's a lot of positive energy around the team. We'll see if it lasts because it are hasn't. they playing in London again this year? <laughs> they are playing in London again this year. I think they played the Dolphins, another another Florida team down in Miami. Yeah, that should be fun. I like would totally, you know, I don't live in the U.S. anymore, but like that, that sounds like a great idea for like, you know, an excuse for a nice family vacation. <laughs> so. I would love to go sometime. A few of my friends when the Titans played in London a couple of years ago when they just said it was an incredible experience. Yeah, no, I can imagine. All right, let's talk some productivity stuff. Um, let's do it. I'm going to start off with a question I love to ask people, which is how do you measure whether you are productive? You determine the time span, but how do you measure whether you're being productive? I think this is one of the trickiest things about being productive is because it's so easy to move the goalposts mm. on what, like, or the finish line, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use yeah. about what is success. What What is it? Is it like checking everything off your to-do list? Is it a certain, like, status that you reach or a career level uh is it you know, the amount of money that you're able to bring in is the is it the amount of time that you spend not working is that like <laughs> i think all of these are like fair measurements of the success of your productive practice and for me what i'm really trying to do what i'm focusing on right now is getting better and better at prioritizing the most effective tasks that I can do things that only I can things that only I can do and things that are high leverage for me. So things Mm. like recording videos are very high leverage for me. Editing videos are not as high leverage. I still enjoy doing them, but it's (laughs) for me, it's like really one of the things that I'm focused on this year is getting better and better at prioritizing the high leverage tasks that I'm doing spending the majority of my day on those high leverage tasks, those creative things. And um, certainly I want all the money, all the abundant money (laughs) to come to (laughs) me through that. But a real like measurement for me, and it's not something that I've gotten really good at quantifying right now, but it is 
the amount of presence that I feel when I'm not working, like with family and with friends, and really is that that ability to uh, be able to stop working whenever I want to or when I need to. Mm. And again, going back to like just being really present in the moment when I'm not working, because there have been lots of times in the past for me where I've been getting a lot done. I've been really productive in the traditional sense. Right. But then I'm just always thinking about work, though. Even when I'm not, quote unquote, working, I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about the next thing. And I lack a certain presence with those around me. And uh, that is that is the thing that I'm really trying to optimize for. High leverage output for tasks that only I can do and like really present moments with those people that I care about. I love those two, and I'm totally on board with those. The first one reminds me of a concept um, of $10,000 an hour work, which I learned from this guy, Kay. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Do you happen to know this? Yes. So it's so funny that you bring this up, and it's maybe part of the reason, like recency bias, that I brought it up, is it's Kay-he, basically. He, okay. okay. Um, yeah, Kay-he. And I just did, like right before our call, <laughs> right before we we recorded, I did a 10K uh, hour of work. I did a 10K hour work workshop with Kay and my audience uh, earlier no this way. morning. <laughs> so um, that's very high mind for me. So it's probably some recency bias there. But when he talks about it, it's just, it's just so true. Like you need to focus on doing the best work that you can work that only you can do and being pretty ruthless about prioritizing delegating hiring out as much as you can for those other for those other things um it's not it's not always doable but just being really intentional about thinking what is the highest leverage thing that i can do that 10k an hour work and trying to optimize your your workflow for those things Totally. Yeah. And I also like how this clarifies things so much, right? Once you identify for yourself, what is the most important work that I should be doing sort of at a high level, right? Then it also becomes easier to decide in the moment, hey, what am I going to work on today? Or what am I going to work on this week? I get so often people ask me, Peter, how do I prioritize my tasks? I have like 12 things I could do today, or maybe, you know, 1200 things, depending on like how crazy people go with recording all of their tasks, right? Which one should I work on? I'm like, if you're having that problem, you need to go up a level, right? You need to like, set your priorities and decide like, okay, what, you know, it's like you're saying for you producing a video, is super high leverage so like if you're choosing between producing a video or like posting something on twitter it's like a pretty obvious choice right because like producing the video is going to have more impact but i also love the uh, l- right. love that you mentioned about being present is there any way that you like has this is this a new goal of yours is it something you've been doing for a long time do you do you actively do things to try to be more present how does what does that look like it is a practice to be present for me because again, when I was working a full-time job, I was trying to build my side hustle. I was starting my YouTube channel. And even still, like I struggle to turn off the productive mind <laughs> to a fault, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's this really like delicate balance of when you're an entrepreneur or even like when you work at a startup as I did uh, as far back, I guess, as 2015, there's always something more to do it's impossible to reach the end of your to-do list. At least that's that's the way I feel. And that's kind of a blessing and a curse. There's always something interesting to do, but there is always something to do. And right. presence for me is a lot of times putting away distractions and like, you know, phone, computer, those things that are going to, I mean, even my Apple Watch, <laughs> I'll like set that aside. <laughs> and... The thing that I really try and do is, um, like, I have two boys. They're six and two. And I just try and be uh, really engaged with them. That engagement helps my presence as well. And so, like, my six, me and my six-year-old, we've gotten in, he's gotten into Legos. And so we'll just, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we'll spend a little bit of time just playing Legos, you know, building building something together. So it's that kind of engaged piece because if i'm just sitting then it's 
difficult for my mind <laughs> to stay in that place. And meditation, yeah. even though I'm a I'm a like very okay meditator and intermittent meditator, the thing that really <laughs> encourages me about it is that it does help me in other moments of the day, like come back to the moment rather than just allowing the monkey mind to work. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned having kids because I, I don't have kids, but this topic comes up all the time. And like the the main impression I have from parents is that, well, it becomes way harder to do your work when you have kids. And especially mm -hmm. I imagine when you're working from home and your kids are around. I don't know if your kids are usually around at home, but like surely they are some of the time. Um, does that, is that ever a challenge for you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, anyone who says that it's not, uh, is either way more advanced as a parent than I am or a liar. <laughs> and I am hoping to get to that point of being just like that calm presence. And like, again, it also goes ties back into this concept of really high leverage work is yes, you have work to do, but a lot of times the things that take up much of our energy aren't like the high leverage tasks, like, recording this podcast, doing like a YouTube video, working on a, a course lesson, uh, like those really can be done. High leverage work takes so much energy that you really can only do like, you know, a relatively small chunk of it each day, like maybe yeah. three to four, maybe three to four hours at max. Yeah. And so it's pretty easy a lot of times for me to block out those three to four hours, even, even with the boys uh, running around. My wife and I you know, share a lot of the parenting duties. She works as well, but we, we've gotten good at like nailing those times down. Um, but it is, it is challenging because I, you know, honestly, I'm not there yet. There are a lot of, <laughs> a lot of low leverage things that I'm doing because they have to be done. Like it's part of being productive. It's part of running a business. It's part of having a yeah. side hustle and a lot of like, the challenges of the frustrations for me come around. Like I have like all these like little, little things jumbling around in my head. I'm like, I have to do this, <laughs> but it's not completing a video. It's like, I have these emails and that's when a lot of the, maybe the frustration or the challenge can come in, but it's a work in progress. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you sit down and decide, okay, like I'm going to use my time today to make a video rather than responding mm -hmm. emails. What, what's your decision process like? A lot of it does come down to where can I find and protect that two to three to maybe four hour block of focus time. And if mm -hmm. I can find that, then I know that's where I'm recording videos, I'm writing content, or maybe recording a podcast. Right. It's, those are the creative high leverage things that only I can do, and I have to do it in this time. The other, the other thing about like lower leverage tasks, you can also think of this kind of like the Eisenhower matrix. I'm sure many listeners are familiar with that. Sure. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. But those other things that are like urgent, but not, what is it? It's they're important, but non-urgent. They're in mm -hmm. that quadrant. A lot of those things I've found can like, it's a lot easier to chop them up. Like I can respond to emails for 20 minutes. I don't have to get in the, it, I don't have to get in the zone to answer right. emails. <laughs> right. I don't, don't have, have to, to get in the zone to like do some like really basic da data analytics or like pull some reports or whatever it might be. Like I don't need two hours focus to work on those things. It would be nice, but I can like work on it 30 minutes here, like help out with the boys or like take them somewhere. I can, I can chop that up a lot easier. But finding that protected time to work on my biggest goal, my biggest task, highest leverage work for the day or for the week, those are the things that when I go into planning and previewing my week, I'm kind of hunting down those, those chunks throughout the week and really being pretty ruthless about my time around them. And when you say that, you, that you're ruthless, what does that look like? Does that include a certain tone of voice that you use with the kids or something or what? <laughs> Uh, I'd certainly try not to, but a lot of times it will be like just making it, a lot of it comes down to communication. And so mm. like if, if my wife, uh, if we're all at home and I'm in my like, you know, utility room office, uh, work doing these kind of high leverage things, I'm just going to tell my wife like, Hey, I'm basically pretend I'm not here 
for a few hours unless something's really going wrong. <laughs> and if yeah. it is, I normally hear it. But just pretend <laughs> I'm not here for a few hours. And then, yeah, the other the other times. And so there's a communication back and forth between us on that. The mm. other times are like two or three days a week. My wife's a nurse, and so she works two or three days a week. And on those days, whether we have you know, the boys are with a sitter or we take them to a daycare place, those are absolutely like if I'm here alone in the house, especially those hours, or at least like the vast majority of those hours, those are only high leverage like, video recording tasks. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only that's the only thing I'll do. I'm like kicking myself or I'll have like post-it notes written that like if I'm responding to email during those rare hours each week that I'm alone in the house, it is a colossal misuse of resources. Yeah. So that's what I mean by being being pretty ruthless about it. Yeah, no, and, and I love so that. it's blocking it's blocking it out also. Um so like I wouldn't I wouldn't have a time available in my schedule for like for a call for a call to be booked or like to be like caught up in anything else. Yeah. And so, and so I want to ask you a little bit more later about exactly how you do this scheduling. Um but first I'm kind of curious because you work independently now, but before that you worked for ConvertKit, for Podia, so you worked for um, companies. However, mm -hmm. they were pretty digital companies, so, so this was remote work, right? Correct, yep. And so was it as easy at the time to find this focused time to do work, or was it often dealing with meetings, responding on Slack? Like, how does that compare working there versus independently? It's a great question because certainly you, most people, when they work for another company, you have demands on your time that you're not, that you don't have an input in most of the, most of the time, like you're going to have your Monday meeting. And I'll say like, you know, ConvertKit and Podia are both like really good there in terms of allowing their employees to protect time. Both companies mm -hmm. are remote first and for them, Yeah. Both companies are remote first, like no one works from an office. And so it's, you don't have this feeling of like, I'm missing something or that, uh, yeah, you're just missing any of that back and forth because it is all happening online. Like I worked, I worked for a company before ConvertKit that had a physical office and allowed people to work remote. And that's what I was doing. And it's definitely, it's definitely a different feel to yeah. like be just a remote worker at when most people are in a physical location, but both companies are really good about that. But it, it does kind of come back to that communication. Like one of the things that I would do with my team and with my manager is usually at the beginning of the day, I would like just put in our team channel that I was going to be off Slack for, you know, X, num mm. X number of hours. And so people didn't like expect me to respond to anything or if they sent me a d if they sent me a dm then you know they knew not to look for a response right away so it does kind of come back to that communication piece so whether you're working from home and maybe have a partner there with you like just communicating with them and you know same thing when you're at a company as well just saying like hey i need two or three hours today to focus on this particular again high leverage task i'm working on this you know product design or writing some copy or whatever it might be it's just so they know kind of what you're what you're up to yeah I, I love the emphasis there on communication right mm -hmm. and i think it's so easy um you know you you may communicate well at home with your partner but you may not be communicating well at work or the other way around you know what i'm saying right. and, and they, they require some different skills i think um mm -hmm. but i mean i've been working independently for like years now but before that i, I had a corporate job for about three and a half years at a consulting firm and i, I definitely yeah. it's such a different mode to be in at the time it was like you know if i really needed to do something close the door to the office wear headphones mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying put right. like block off time on my calendar with like a fake appointment or something like that just so yeah. people couldn't invite me to because that was very much a culture where like if a manager invites you to a meeting and they're more senior than you you're supposed to attend so i would just block right. it off to discourage it right um yeah and then you can also like in google calendar make sure that you hide details so it just says busy <laughs> right right exactly as well yeah <laughs> Yeah, but like, you know, when you're working independently, there are definitely a lot of challenges when working independently, right? There's a lot of, lot of mm -hmm. things that you got to learn, but at least you have that luxury. I'm curious because you mentioned before that you 
do some scheduling and you say, okay, I'm going to dedicate these hours to focus time for high leverage work, right? Right. Are there certain times a day you like to do that? Or is it just like whenever you can find focus time? And I ask because for me, it's very much, I'm working on a new course right now. So I'm constantly recording videos, writing exercises up and like, I really prefer to do that in the morning, you know, like right. before lunch, because it, if it, you know, not even so much because my energy is low in the afternoon, but more because stuff happens during the day that I like to respond right. to. Yeah. Is it the same for you? I'm very similar. And I think it's important for people to understand and pay attention to when their energy or their availability to be creative and be productive is at its highest. And mm. don't over it just as a quick caveat to that, don't like overjudge or ana, overanalyze like, is it at its highest now or could it be better? Yeah. Maybe it could be better, but just like when you notice, and it's a very like qualitative anecdotal thing, like for each person, it's hard to measure qualitatively. So don't get too caught up in like the definition of when is my energy the highest. But for me, it is in the mornings. Uh, what I like to do is get a workout in in you know, first thing in the morning, and then we have breakfast, we have some family time, and then I get into it. And usually I'm blocking out as much of my morning as I can, like unless there's a coaching call that I have. But I'm blocking out as much of my morning as I can going into lunch for that like focused, productive work. And this is not like super uncommon, even in a lot of corporate or career, like professional settings. Paul Graham, who's a you know, legend, legendary uh, investor, like startup operator, founder, he wrote an article years ago at this point, an essay called Maker Time, Maker Schedule, Manager Schedule. And his mm. basic premise was every day he strove to spend the mornings making things and then in the afternoons managing <laughs> the things the company the people that yeah. like made up the rest of his work and so you could even like you know try and split your day down the middle as much as as much as you're able to uh, another example of this is Gary Keller who's the fan, founder of Keller Williams Real, Realty and he wrote a book called The One Thing and he's like what's the one thing you want to get done today this yeah. week whatever it is but he would spend three, four hours every morning. This is a guy who has plenty to do. Uh, and he would spend three to four hours every morning working on that one thing. So it is it is possible. Again, you have to be pretty ruthless and you have to be a good prioritizer uh, to be able to do that effectively. But it's definitely a, a skill worth developing. Totally. And I think it takes time as well. Something I like to it emphasize does. to people because... You know, at this point, like you and me, we've been sort of in the productivity space for a long time. So sometimes it feels like things come naturally. But like when people are like, wow, you're so good at prioritizing and or like you're so good at saying no to stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been practicing mm -hmm. that since at least 2012. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like that's a really that's a skill. It's a skill, right? It's something it that takes time. Yeah. And one one other thing to add to that, and I'm so glad you brought it up, because this is something that when I'm working with people in a one on one or a group or even like a course program, like say during a Q&A, it's a it's one of the most common questions is how do I get better at saying no or how do I get better at prioritizing? And as you said, the only way to do it is the only way to get better at it is to do it and understand and be comfortable with the fact that you're not always going to make the right decision every time and you're not always going to stay as focused as you want all the time and you also will not always prioritize properly all the time but the more that you are intentional about uh, practicing all of those things the better that you'll get at them so that like over time you're going to better understand like oh i have all of these different you know, like potential tasks because I've been doing this for so long and because I've been intentional with my choices. Now I just kind of look at it and know I have an expertise that I've built up through experience. I just look at all these and I'm like, okay, bing, bang, boom. These are the top three things because I just, I just know. <laughs> and that can be a really frustrating answer for the beginner or for someone who doesn't like trust their prioritization, uh, mental models yet, but it is you know, a way that a skill that everyone can develop. Totally. I, l I love that. It's, it's such a good emphasis, too, that like 
you know, it may look easy for someone like you or me because we've been practicing it for so long, but like mm -hmm. it can, it can take some practice. Um, okay. I wanted to switch topics a little bit and talk about bullet journaling, which you're very big on, um, which I have tried once a few years ago, but never really committed to. Um, mm -hmm. but these days I, I'm all about the digital task managers. Um, and, right. and so I, I sell courses for, for two particular digital task managers, things three and OmniFocus. And so that's really right. been my world for a couple of years now. Um, so I thought it would be nice to talk a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses of, of analog approaches and specifically of a bullet journal versus digital task management. So I, I first, um, let's do a little intro for those people who are not familiar. What is bullet journaling? I think it'd be good to start there. Bullet journaling at its, for the simplest explanation of it, is a way to just key in tasks, appointments, notes in like just a really simple journal. <laughs> so it you can get the Leuchtturm specific like bullet journal you know, style, but really all it is is a dot grid journal. And so there are a bunch of different places you can get that. But... It really is as simple as I have a thing to do today. I have a task. I'm going to make a bullet. And then when I complete that, I'm going to X out that bullet to show it's completed. There's a yeah. few other like indicators that would be like, you know, I think it's a circle. If you have an appointment, it's just a dash. If you want to make a note, if you want to signify that a task is important, you can draw like an asterisk next to it. But it's really just as simple as that. And I make that emphasis early on. Because if you Google bullet journaling, or if you search for bullet journals, if you like look at them on YouTube or Instagram, you're going to see a lot of beautiful, well-laid-out, artistic mm -hmm. bullet journals. You're like, this isn't really what I'm signing up for. This isn't what I'm interested in. But the, the origins of the bullet journal are as simple and minimal as what I described. Like, if you read the book bullet journal method from the founder writer carol which even if you're not into bullet journaling it actually is a really good productivity book about like the mindful practice of productivity i was like i was honestly surprised i enjoyed it as much as i did <laughs> i was like this is really good and so that's uh, surprising th yeah and so that's like the real basics of it and there are other things that you can do like you can have a monthly layout kind of like just a calendar you can treat it a little there's all kinds of little tweaks like habit trackers people like doing but at its core what i always tell people to start with when it comes to bullet journaling is start with that daily log which would be like you know we're recording this on friday may 28th and if i look at my bullet journal it's just like here are the tasks that i have today here are the appointments that i have and when I go into, we have a holiday here in the U.S. on Monday, but when I go into Tuesday, I'm just going to write, you know, Tuesday, June 1st, here are the tasks, here are the appointments, and here are any notes that I had. And that's how you can start with the bullet journal. It really is and can be as simple as that to start. And the benefits of that for me, and I'll, I'll you know, issue a disclaimer that I do use a lot of digital tools to run my business, to organize my projects, uh, pretty much all I use right now in terms of projects is, at least for my company, is Notion. Uh, like I've used, I've used some other task managers in in the past, but anything that has to be collaborated on, I use like Notion for. But the reason that I just continue to return to pen and paper for uh, task management is because of that like singular focus. <laughs> on the tool because I part of the reason that I enjoy it so much is because I understand how easily I can get distracted and I just like accept that <laughs> about myself <laughs> at this point because even if I was to use and maybe something like you know I know you've done work in things and OmniFocus but even if I was to use one of those and maybe it might be a little different but when I go into Notion even to like look at tasks it's so easy for me to get distracted by like, oh, I saw this, I'm seeing this project that I know is like high on my mind and I want to check in on it. And then like, I haven't done it. What I try and be is really intentional about how I use my time. That kind of goes back to like the protection and that like high leverage work. It's so easy for me to get distracted by those low leverage, you know, urgent but not important kind of tasks or important but non urgent. It's so easy for me to go down that rabbit hole that the way that I pretty much start every day is I'll open up the bullet journal. Uh, I might do a quick, 
very uh, intentional, mindful review of you know what I've got going on in Notion, but very quick. I have a rule that I don't do any work. Don't do any work. <laughs> and uh, I'll write down, this is what matters to me today in the bullet journal, those main tasks, and then I'll go from there. And once, basically once I have those done, the, that, that for me usually goes until, it might take the entire day or it, it, you know, I might have like an hour or so at the end for like, okay, I'm done with the primary tasks. And then I might like, go back through notion and look at it. Or like if I have any client work that I'm doing, I might go back through and just be like, okay, is there anything that I can knock out that just kind of strikes me? Or if something else came up throughout the day, as you mentioned earlier, like something came into my inbox that needs to be taken care of. That's when I'll take care of that. Um, and I'll just, I will again, issue a short disclaimer that that is the ideal day. And that is you <laughs> know, pretty often how the day goes, but uh, I think, or I know that one of the trickiest things about teaching productivity and even following people who teach productivity like us is assuming that we have perfect days every day and that uh, absolutely you know, not the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> assuming that we have perfect days every day and that is not the case. And so a lot of it is like, just, I, I get another reason that I like mindfulness and meditation in this sense of like, when you find yourself like, it's almost like you come up from underwater, like, what have I been doing for the past hour? It's like a way to like bring yourself back to the work and to those high priority things. Be like, okay, I'm just going to come back into this. I know this matters. I'm going to like shift my awareness back to like these tasks instead of like the other stuff that I was just kind of mindlessly going through. Yeah. I, ever since I've started meditating, which was a, a few years ago, I've really also noticed how often I am distracted. And so like this being mm -hmm. present, which you mentioned, you know, early on in the episode, and again, just now totally resonates with me, mm -hmm. um, how much more pleasant it is. So, um, so I nice. used a paper journal for a bit earlier this year for a couple months. Um, I forget which one it was, but it was, it was a nice one where like every day it asks you, what are your top three priorities for the day? You write down, you know, what are your calendar events? Like what's on your schedule today? Was it like today? the self-journal? Does that sound? No. Was it by Michael Hyatt, maybe? Full um, focus planner? Yes, that That's one. His. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. um, it was nice, you know? I kind of enjoyed it I because like, it, like I recognize the benefit of what you're saying where like I actually was more deliberate in the mornings about sitting down and mm -hmm. thinking, okay, like what am I going to work on today? Um, but, and this is why I'm bringing this up, um, I still prefer digital task managers. Like, definitely, mm -hmm. I acknowledge that, like, you've got that little bit of extra focus because you can't, you know, wh whatever digital device you're looking at, it may distract you, right? You may right. suddenly find yourself on Twitter and you, how, how did I end up on Twitter? Or, like, you see a notification or whatever, right? Um, but I find it, for me, very difficult to actually properly manage my tasks on paper. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's something I wanted to ask you about. Like, do you have a master task database somewhere outside, you know, like maybe in Notion or whatever? Or do you try to do that in your bullet journal? How does that work? Yeah, so this is this is a way that I differentiate from a lot of analog-only uh, bullet journalists or ta task managers, <laughs> is that I would say the majority of my day-to-day -day work is, like, is organized and listed in the bullet journal or if you're using a planner like full focus planner or self self journal both of which are great mm -hmm. is that the like, long term or the big picture of the master task database is very messy to use it's not something that you can't do and i have a couple of videos that kind of show you how to do that but it does it does get messy and you end up rewriting yeah. a lot of things which especially to a productive person feels super inefficient a lot and, of busy work <laughs> yeah a lot of busy work that you you know that's that's a very low leverage thing that we want to avoid and mm. so really the way that i have this like basically a three-phase approach to a lot of my productivity and the initial like brainstorming planning like getting notes out a lot of that will be done analog because I can focus, I can do anything that I want <laughs> on the page. Yeah. And so I'll do that in the bullet journal. I might like have a big, a big desk pad that I'm working with or on a whiteboard, you know, whiteboarding. All of that will be done. And then when I shift something from just brainstorm and planning into this is a project, this is something that I'm going to be working on, this it has like definitive constraints and deadlines, 
then I move it into Podia, or <laughs> then I move it into Notion. I move it into mm. Notion so that I can have like master task lists availability. I can use a database. I can do all of those like wonderful digital app things. But then yeah. when it comes down to like, okay, it's this week, it is today. What are those main things that I want to be doing? Then I will then kind of basically migrate back into the bullet journal so that I'm trying to use the best of both worlds. So then if I if I get stuck on something, if I'm just looking at like, what do I want to focus on today? I'm just going into the bullet journal or into my planner and saying like, these are those main things. You see how like it kind of goes through goes through those phases. And then, yeah. you know, I'll go back into the project, the project database as well and say like, okay, I did these things or here, here's some updates. But that's, that's, that's basically how I go through my pro- productivity process between analog to digital back to analog. And then of course, mo- you know, we work online. And so most of the work that I'm doing is digital. <laughs> right. And so there is like, it's, it's kind of a, this, this loop that I just go through. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's basically what I was doing when I was experimenting with, I guess, the, the full focus mm-hmm. planner, like you said, you know, it's it's really nice to have to sit there with your pen or your pencil and your notebook and to just jot down ideas or reflect on some stuff, you know, kind of like a little bit journaling-ish or like it may be right. full-on journaling depending on what actual, you know, it's called a bullet journal, obviously. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and so I, I think I think I at some point just started finding it tedious to like you know because I also like in things I also like to like have like what am I working on today, um, mm-hmm. but I definitely I definitely see that benefit. So how do you manage like how do you keep track though of deadlines? So let's say like you have a mm-hmm. deadline for when you need to do something by like will you track that in your bullet journal or is that like in Notion or do you just kind of try to remember them? Usually for me that's in Notion. Uh, because mm. I do have a couple of contractors that I work with. I have a V, I have a, an assistant that I work with. And so we all want to stay on top of those deadlines. And obviously there's no way to do that on paper, but yeah, yeah all of that is taken care of in notion and just, you know, data, data field, set reminders, all those things. And notion right. had not to get into like notion too deep, but one of the things that I've really liked is within the last several months, notion released a timeline view for like their databases which has Mm. been really helpful for keeping a little bit better track of different deadlines for uh tasks or things in inside of a project yeah yeah what does that look like and what what am i thinking into it's it's not a calendar view but it's different yeah it's it's also it's not a gantt chart (laughs) but if you it's not that either like notion doesn't have that Airtable does but it's it it's like uh, this kind of grid that you're looking at that scrolls east to west. And then mm. like if you have, basically you put in a, da- a date with a start, you put in a date um, property with a start and an end time, and it'll automatically fill across the duration. You can view by like by week, by month, by quarter. So yeah. that's, you can get kind of a, a look at it that way. It is, it is nice because it's not just like, here's the month at a glance. You really get to see like how things overlap also yeah the thing i like about sort of comparing different ways of managing your tasks whether it's a bullet journal a, a specialized app like a things three or an OmniFocus, or more a more general all-purpose mm-hmm. app like notion um is you can you know they, they all have strengths and weaknesses and different people may find different ones uh, more helpful so I, I often get people right. asking me you know, hey, Peter, uh, what app should I use? And I'm like, well, you're going to have to give me a little bit more information there, buddy. Like, <laughs> you know, there's no blanket, you know, answer to this. Yeah. Um, and I I find task managers particularly helpful for people who feel chronically overwhelmed. And so um, yep. I always, you know, the whole method that I teach is, you know, he, we're going to put everything in there. We're not going to make everything, you know, we're going to have some kind of way of denoting things that you're going to work on in the future someday maybe you know and and versus things that you're sort of actively working on right now you're going to have a nice list of all the things you could work on today and then you're going to pick some things to work on today then you're going to have some way to mark which ones you're going to work on today and that's the process and for people who feel overwhelmed that can really help um you know for people who are feeling really overwhelmed i probably would tell them to stay away from notion because it's so easy in notion land to get stuck you know on customizing your notion setup watching six hour youtube videos on like how to do this right um (laughs) that can definitely be yeah we can talk about that but that's yeah that's definitely a risk 
that's a rabbit hole. Yeah. So, no, so yeah. my question is, for the bullet journal, is there any particular type of person where you're like, this is really helpful for people who are in this situation or who have these characteristics? Yes, kind of like what you just referenced is people who find it so easy to get to go down the rabbit hole of different digital tools or apps, which is a challenging mm -hmm. thing, especially ones that are so flexible and dynamic like Notion. Like it's a blessing and a curse, especially for a beginner. Like I've talked to so many people that just feel super overwhelmed by Notion or they're like, I, yeah. you know, they have this feeling or belief that they have to get their entire life <laughs> into Notion. And that can be, I can tell you, like, that's a chore. That is a, that is literally a never ending process. And that can feel really, it feels really exciting at the beginning. And it quickly becomes very overwhelming. And so basically the things that you referenced in terms of why task managers can be so helpful for just like brain dumping, all the things that you can think of, picking some, making progress. It's basically the same thing for a bullet journal, except it can be even faster because you, I mean, I guess you have to wait for something to get shipped to you, but you can just take any sheet of paper and, you know, write down. We're all used to that in some way. It just doesn't feel very official of like, hmm. here are all the things like just a big, this is all, often something that I recommend people start with. In addition to the daily log, it's these two things. It's like, what do I have to get done today? You know, kind of write those things out. And then we do like a practice where you create a master task list for yourself. And it's like, write down everything that you can think of <laughs> that you have to do. And yeah. you know, do a quick like prioritization sweep. Be like, okay, I know this is important. And we talk about, you know, some other, some other prioritization frameworks like the Eisenhower method. But that's where people who just aren't comfortable with uh, technology. You know, that's, that's totally fine as well. Like, Maybe you don't even want to sign up for something like Things or OmniFocus or Todoist or even those like really simple, still really fast task managers. But it's, you know, it's another thing that you like have to, that you have to sign up for and even just do a little bit of figuring out. And so I recommend it for people who said very similar to what you said, people who get you know, overwhelmed pretty easily, either by the amount of things they have to do or by signing up to yet another tool. And so that if if you hear that and either of those things resonate with you, just take out a sheet of paper, you know, open up a notebook, you know, just grab even just a scrap of paper or an index card and just start writing down like some of the things that you feel like you need. It's like for Harry Potter fans, that scene where like Dumbledore is pulling like the memory out of out of his head oh, yeah, and yeah. putting it into the the pensive i think it or the pin pensive so, something like that yeah something like that um that is a lot of times what i think of when it comes to ta you know, like brain dumping is you're like okay let me get this out of here because it does like when you can just look at it and you've kind of detached yourself from it even in that very literal sense of like okay it's no longer all like in my head it's like at least right here and you can literally yeah. take a step back from it a little bit i find that to be really useful yeah no i mean you're absolutely right uh, the way i tend to think of it is if you feel very comfortable with your priorities if you've been very ruthless about saying no to things that are not going to serve you if you're already quite good at identifying you know, what is that high leverage work that you were talking about? It doesn't really matter that much whether you're using a bullet journal or a task mm -hmm. management app or something like Notion. Like, I feel like at this point, I could use a bullet journal and be just fine. You know what I'm saying? Even though I'm so used to working with task management apps. But I think, you know, I've been thinking about this problem for years now. And so, so have you, right? So like, we're so experienced. But if you're the kind of person who's like, first time they're ever starting to think about, okay, how can I get a little bit more organized? How can I get a little bit more intentional? I think at that point, it does really matter. And I can totally see someone being, you know, whenever I look at my computer, I already feel overwhelmed. Okay, I think for you, like a physical notebook, <laughs> I feel like a good yeah. choice, right? So you like, don't even don't even sit in front of your screen, go to a different part of your desk or house or whatever, and sit there and, mm -hmm. and do some thinking. Um, so so, so I, I like that, um, that emphasis. Now, do you um how much time do you spend with your notebook like on any given day are we thinking like 10 minutes or are you like really spending a lot of time in there writing usually it's 15 to 20 minutes 
Hmm. So it's not a it's not a ton of time. At the most, I would say it's maybe ten fifteen in the minutes in the morning and ten to fifteen minutes in at the end of the day, just to kind of do do a quick uh, recap of everything. N- note if there's anything that I need to like really prioritize tomorrow if I didn't get to it today. But part of the bullet journal practice and method again that's that's in the book which is why I think it's more than just like here's how to bullet journal is when you get to the end of the day being really mindful about like asking yourself the question I didn't get to this thing today that I said was important and asking yourself like well why did that happen did other things that I felt were higher priority uh, just take more time than I expected Am I afraid of doing this thing for whatever reason? Am I getting yeah, in my, in my own case. way? Yeah. <laughs> Am I getting in my own way with perfectionism or like fear of failure? Or it could just be like, you could also just ask yourself this question because there's a very real, um, there's a very real possibility that it's just not as important <laughs> as you thought it was. And it could be to go back into that like task prioritization framework it could be that it is something that you need to do, but it may not be some. It may be something that needs to be done, but it may not be something that you need to do. Now, if you're the only mm. one working on your business or like is a part of this job, or you you're the only person in your side hustle, I get all of those things. But it's interesting to ask yourself that question: Am I the one that needs to be doing this? Because even if you don't say like have an assistant right now or you know, whatever, or there's no one to pass it off to. It's interesting to start to make lists of these things that have to be done, but you don't need to be the one to do them. So just that right. mindful like review at the end of the day and definitely at the end of the week is really helpful. Yeah. I remember listening, what you're saying reminds me of a podcast I listened to a while ago. I really can't remember who it was. Um, I want to say Sam Harris, but it seems incredibly unlikely. It probably wasn't Sam Harris. It's just I've been listening to him a lot recently. Surely it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And someone <laughs> said, okay, like, what if you really only had, like, two hours a day to do your work? Like, which things yeah. would you do, right? That That's basically what you're saying right now as well. Like, mm-hmm. this is, you, you arrive at the same result as when you're making that list of when you're asking what can you delegate. Um, right. Now let's say you, you know, oh, yeah, I think it was in the form of, like, let's say you have some kind of accident and you you know you wake up in the hospital and the doctor tells you okay you can only work two hours a day or something like that like what would you keep um or what if the doctor tells you you can only work one hour a day like what are you gonna do and i thought i actually thought that's such a great way of looking at things like you know would i record podcast episodes probably i would record some it probably wouldn't be my Mm -hmm. top priority you know what i'm saying i'd probably like record a video every other day um, whether it's for marketing or for a course, I'd probably record some podcast episodes. I'd probably have one day every two weeks or something that's like spend my hour dealing with some admin stuff. Another one that's like reply to emails. That's it. You know, those are probably like right. the most important things. Um, yeah. Do you do any kind of time logging? I do. I really like time tracking and time logging. I don't do it all day, every day. I want to be clear about that because uh, it, it, it does become a bit of a chore. Yep. But every couple of months, every every quarter at the most, I will spend a couple of weeks doing a pretty detailed time log analysis uh, mm. of my work. And the reason that I do that is I want to really be aware of two things. I want to be aware of how long different primary tasks are taking me. So like, yeah. How long does it take? How long is it taking me to edit or do videos or you know whatever whatever it is? And I'm also I also want to know it's related, but I also want to know how much time am I spending on these different areas of my business and of my work. So when I do that time analysis at the and I usually again do this for two weeks, that gives me a pretty good sample size. I want to look and say like, oh well, I only intend to spend maybe 20% of my time at most on like admin, blah, 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 all the other stuff that isn't creative. (laughs) And the reality is, (laughs) and the reality is maybe it's 40%. I'm like, Oh no, like this is, this is an issue because again, it goes back to that high priority, high leverage work, that 10 K work of like, I can train or hire other people to do these things. 
and there's that's a whole that's a whole other thing to unpack. <laughs> yeah. Kay would be Kay would be great to talk about that. It's a whole other thing to unpack, but I need to keep an the reason that I time log or I time track and then do like a pretty simple analysis of it is that I want to know how long things take and I want to know how long how much time I'm spending on these different categories because if something's way out of whack then it's 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 a big red flag and time logging helps me see that. Yeah. I like that. So we, we, we did get back to my very first question about productivity, which is how do you measure your productivity? It turns out that you do do some kind of quantitative measuring yeah, every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that's great. It, it's something that um, I also like to sometimes ask my students to do, you know. Um, I, I feel like it, it's... Um, it gets really tedious if you do it all the time. Like I know some people mm-hmm. who are doing it, it all day, every day, and I would never recommend that. But every now and then, I think it's a super ha- healthy habit to get into. Agree. So, yeah, good. Um, all right, Matt. Uh, it's been very fun having you on the podcast. And I would like to ask you, is there anything that you would love for the listeners to check out? Anything you'd like to point them to? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, this was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun talking talking to you about a bunch of different things related to productivity. And the thing that I would love for everyone to check out uh Probably the best thing is if you go to threekeys.fyi, that's the number three and then keys like in a car or a house, .fyi, you can get a special like 20-minute video training and then a workbook. That's these three keys to productivity that I've seen. And we talk about prioritization. We talk about goal setting. Uh, we talk about like planning out a really great day and a great week. So these three keys to having a productive day and week. And uh, then just my YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash Matt Ragland. I'm also at Matt Ragland on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm on Twitter way more, too much more. <laughs> uh, but those are the those are the best places. I pretty much, I have a pretty good lock on the SEO for all things Matt Ragland, much to the chagrin of musician Matt Ragland in Austin. Shout out to him. Oh, but- <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, look for Matt Ragland on YouTube, Twitter, and then threekeys.fyi. Great. All right. We'll make sure to put that all in the show notes as well. Well, uh, thanks very much, Matt, for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Pleasure. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about Peter or about today's guest, check out the show notes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of How They Get Stuff Done.